0: When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life
1: like I'm a beast.
2: This is the Sales Mall Podcast. Your hosts, Jerry Hill and Ryan Reiser, talk about the sales game and always keep it real.
1: So we're back. Jerry,
0: it's uh, another Wednesday yet again, this time warp vortex we're living in this year. Uh, We've got a special guest today. Uh, Before we introduce him, Jerry, uh, how are things on your side?
2: Uh, Yeah. Uh, UK is fundamentally ticking over. Um, Lockdown, two minus 10 days left on the national lockdown. So... We'll see some crazy behavior on December 2, December 3, probably, when all the bars reopen and stuff. And then we'll probably have another lockdown after Christmas. But, uh, yeah, just ticking over business as usual. Yeah, oh, good
0: stuff. Well, hopefully the lockdown doesn't get you too stir crazy. Well, I'm really excited to introduce uh, our guest this week. Uh, I'll let him introduce himself by way of background. But, uh, Tom, do you, do you want to get into a little bit more about you know where you're coming
1: from, what you're up to today before we get into our discussion. Yeah, great. thanks for having me on that, Jerry. Um, so uh, my background is is I grew up on the sales side of the business, um, took my career as basically uh, carrying a bag rep who made us you know, ate what I kill, made my appointments closed the business, implemented them. And then I really moved my way along the food chain you know, up to sales leadership and uh, primarily technology. My largest team was 200 people. Um, and then during that time, I saw that every time I walked in and took over a group, I used the same playbook, right? It's process, people, tools, technology, training, and all those things. And so I, I kind of looked at it and I saw folks like me, sales leaders, had so much t- struggle de- dealing with all that, so I started a consulting business, um, and I built a couple of consulting businesses that really are sales consulting. Um, and in the between, I stepped again as in- interim sales leadership. Where I am today is I run a company called the Sales Growth Zone, and we're relatively new. And kind of the premise is every company at every stage at every level of product has their own growth zone. And they're all different, right? So a large company with an established product looks at training and technology and hiring and comp differently than a startup or pre-revenue startup. So really, the way we look at it is, well, we have to help companies find that growth zone. And then when that growth zone happens, we're hitting the right levers. You can turn the volume up or down. um, But at least everybody knows, right? Because everybody says there's sales levers Depends on where you are. You don't use all fifteen of them. You may use five of them. So, so right now, I have the sales Grow zone, and we provide um, sales and sales enablement services, um, kind of along the continuum: sales and sales process uh, streamlining, um, sales enablement, making sure you have the biggest impact, expertise on demand, and interim leadership. And then we start going into things like QBRs and selecting vendors. So you can see it kind of goes from start to finish.
0: That's my business. Fascinating stuff. And I think it's super timely as, as organizations are trying to figure out, I mean, there's a whole new growth zone right now, right? Uh, (laughs) The unknowns and unknowns, you know, pretty sure we're talking about, well, companies got a plan for this unknown, but also our buyers, right? Everybody's business is in a, a brand new growth zone. And so I think that yeah. translates nicely into what I'm mostly fascinated about because I talk a lot about, um, I always talk about in sales and go to market. There's really only four things that we focus on, which is the target the message, the channel and timing, uh, cause it's the top of the funnel, right? And not, not all the way through, uh, as you, as you focus on, but, uh, those are really the main core elements. Obviously you get inside there and there's things you can focus on, but, uh, who are you targeting? What are you saying? where is that message gonna be received and ultimately timing is solved through follow-up and you can't really, there's no silver bullets in that, in that, in that game um, and you're talking about growth zones and when you think about the fundamentals, if I'm a company really trying to think ahead right now, what are the key things, the, the things that you would make sure are in place before you start turning a knob, any knobs, like right? what, what are those fundamentals that you see from your perspective?
1: And that's a great question, right? <clears throat> so at the, kind of to your point, you know, major fundamental is first. Um, if you're thinking about 2020, trying to close your business out, all hands on deck, doing what you can to get the business done. But the fundamental in that process is, is you need to be thinking about 2021. 2021, if you don't do it now, you're going to end up behind already when you jump into the new year. So fundamentally, um, it's, it's really across the board. Do you have your processes nailed down? Do you have kind of the top of the funnel teed up like you guys are talking about? Um, have you put your numbers together as best as you can? Have you identified your team members that are high potential? And have you also identified the team members that maybe shouldn't be there tomorrow? And then really the tools, the training t- techniques, the platforms, um, you start thinking about all those things, at least, you know, in many cases, you can't go into minutiae, but you should be thinking about it. So, so, uh, so, go ahead, Jerry.
2: I think that's something that you said right in your introduction, which immediately spoke to me, which is this idea that every company's got its own unique growth zone. I think one of my frustrations is when I see people copycatting other people's playbooks. I really, really struggle with that. So I belong to a lot of the sort of communities, you know, Rev Genius, Revenue Collective, Mm -hmm. and I love them for what they offer, but I just see people scalping other people's stuff without applying the relevant context to industry market. The biggest one for me is job descriptions you know your description Tom's very different to mine very different to that guy so how can you put together a generic AE script if you don't have appropriate context for that environment that marketplace and so on so how do you approach that challenge without sort of essentially reading predictable revenue again and and again and again and just applying that cookie cutter to your customers
1: so if if you think about it to your point and I agree with you um, often come in and um, Companies are just not hitting their number, reps are frustrating, and then you, know, you peel back the onion and you find out that, hey, the job is not what you said it is. So you know, to your point, the best way to come up with the right role and description is to find out what the process is and then what the process needs, right? So at every step of the process, in your, your acquisition process, there's uh, roles and responsibilities and handoffs and interactions. Well, you have to sort that out first. It's okay to use a template, right? Because there's nothing wrong with a traditional AE template, per se. But at the end of the day, you got to take that and, to your point, plug in what's relevant to your business. But you can't do that unless you, you know, figure out the sales process.
0: And, and one of the things that I think is interesting, to, to Jerry's point, um, the growth zones that you're talking about, um, wh- where do you see those different milestones coming in so again trying to get into the context if i'm a business listening in right now thinking about 2021 how do i how do i get to where i might be in my my growth is it a is it a revenue is it an industry is it a uh a headcount element like what are the things that i should be thinking about getting to the numbers piece because when i talk to businesses and I, and I have this, the concept of the math of sales, right? I asked very basic questions and it's really, really difficult for them to answer key things like, you know, what's your close rate? What's your average, you know, what's the average deal size, right? What, what is your revenue target? And let's break that down by, in this case, you know, where you're going to be bringing a new business via outbound activities. Uh, do you have any, like, do, do you have a way of eking that out to help somebody identify where they should be starting uh, to get down into some of those those key numbers?
1: Well, you know, you, you bring up the, the kind of the, the key point, which are numbers. Um, <laughs> you know, not everybody has does a great job at being able to track the numbers. Not everybody kind of leverage it as a you know the CRM effectively. However, you know, typically, you know, almost one of the first things that happens when we go in as we look at the numbers, right? Where are you average size of the deal? How many units did you close? How many people did it take to close those numbers? Were your margins right? Did you ever meet your margins? Did you ever sell the company size, you know, opportunity size? Did they get too small? Was your pipeline flow right? You know, you start looking at all those things and you may realize, well, you know what? You weren't doing your margins. You know, you, you weren't making that much money, even though your business plan said you would. But what's going to get you in the zone? Is it the price? Is it the people? Is it the training? Is it the customer? And now you take those numbers and you step back and maybe go, oh, you know what? My team, they've not had any training in negotiating. So every time they get on the phone, they immediately go discount to close the business. Right? Suddenly, there you go. There's a number. There's something to potentially help them okay. get into that growth zone.
0: Yeah. So, so I think that's so key here. Uh, actually, digging in and, and and you know you you have a framework of the things you want to look like in this case. Um, mm-hmm. I love I love that you're 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 not just looking at growth in the terms of top line revenue. Like, how are we yeah. going to get to the next revenue band? But uh, what encompassed what we did? <laughs> Here's the yeah. dollar amount, the units that it took, the amount of labor or resources that went into it. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, driv- driving that all the way back to that margin, which, um, you know, unless you've run a P and L before, which a lot of sales leaders haven't, by the way, um, th- there's no, th- they don't have an understanding of all those other elements that contribute to what growth means, Right. 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 Uh, I, I know Jerry you 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 play around with this quite a bit uh what are your thoughts on that
2: yeah I mean I think there are a lot of people just get parachuted in it's the uh tap on the shoulder so you know my boss gets fired tomorrow who else around the room looks like they could carry themselves as senior and have the respect of the sales force and then they just get tapped on the shoulder and go you're the new sales director or you're the new vp and uh guess what you end up doing? You, you follow the same playbook over and over and over and over again, because nobody's ever actually taught you what, what it means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody, let's, let's be honest. Most, most average show sales guys and girls, they're not particularly numerate, right? There's a reason why they're in sales. They're skilled talk and listeners. So they're an analytical lens. It's probably not that sharp, not that focused, right? So something as simple as how do I run that report on Salesforce is probably a massive gap. Not every company in the world's got the luxury of a RevOps leader to lean on as your right hand or your left hand, right? So people end up floundering and they don't know how to review the numbers, which is why I'm calling for the elevation of a better quality mentoring and better quality not just training, but deep dives on how to be an effective sales leader as part of the succession planning stream. Because otherwise the same problem just persists and that average job churn, you know, revenue collective survey, VP job turn churn globally in high-growth SaaS companies, 18 months.
1: I know that. Same as CIO Yeah. Just yeah.
2: Um, but here's the other issue that I've got is that, you know, Companies only ever look at people with the VP badge. And it to me seems completely dull and numb because if they couldn't make an impact there and they didn't learn anything and they just keep recycling new jobs for 19 months at a time, what are you doing? You're buying a logo, you're not buying a capability. So that's why I think businesses like yours, Thomas, are so fundamentally important for CEOs right now because there's maturity and alignment of process numbers, data, and systems to be able to actually make sure that people don't get themselves into that vortex of repeatable mistakes.
1: Yeah, I agree. We're working with, uh, right now, for matter of fact, several of our clients are CEOs, and that's how we went in um, to talk to them. And it's not the VP didn't get it, um, it just so happens I connected with the CEO at that point in time, and they understood the message, but they understood the message I was giving, right? It was margin, numbers, rev ops, tracking your information, things like that. Um, and both of their VPs are pretty bright uh, on both of them. So they came in and she said, hey, we talked to these guys. They've got a unique approach. They're you know, kind of numbers driven, too. So talk to them. So yeah, I agree with you. I agree
2: with you completely. Yeah, well, it's I think all, that's it. Right? It's all marginal gain theory. If you see, using your negotiating analogy, Thomas, you know, if you see the numbers are down, okay. you imagine a world where you can improve that by one percent.
1: Right. That's what we say. <laughs> yeah, that's what we say. Um, well, there's in my in my view, the the, the last person I worked with um, was analytical in nature, and uh, he just. Did a great job. As you know, as a matter of fact, the last several EVPs of sales had the same view. So they were more about, "Hey Tom, come in. I just haven't had the bandwidth to go look at it, right? But I know I need to look at it, right? There's a lot of folks like that as well. Well, it's difficult,
0: right? And I don't, I don't want to throw the the sales persona under the bus because uh, it, it gets a lot of trash as it is but you know in terms of uh <laughs> approach and personalities and things like that but there there is a theme around um you know where the focus tends to be and it tends to be on new logo new logo new logo new lo- logo especially in the world of high growth SaaS, as you mentioned jerry but there's there's a lot of different ways that sales organizations are created and, you know, this modern sales movement, the digital transformation that we're seeing is going to require more and more organizations to, 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 uh, ensure that they have these, the data, the capabilities, the tooling, the systems in place where it's not just, I've got a bunch of people out in the field and dollars come in, but. Like what does that infrastructure look like? And maybe there's ways to reorganize and repurpose how we think about go to market. And, and one of the things that I think was really interesting in what you brought up was customer, right? So, so we talk a lot about the list, the list being your strategy. And um, when you don't have the numbers and you're not looking at margin and you're not looking at all these different things that you're talking about, customers are kind of like, This magical unicorn, uh, you know, along this, the magical horn of plenty, you know, it's like, hey, it doesn't really matter if they want to pay, we'll work with them type like type of mindset. But the reality is, you know, even if you just understood the principle of that, all customers aren't created equally, we, we know that. Right? Some customers are hard to work with. Some are great to work with. Some that are great to work with don't make us money. Some that are hard to work with us make us money. You know, wh- wh- where do you find that balance? And um, I- I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how you approach that conversation um, with, with your with your with your customers.
1: Well, uh, if I'm a big proponent. Uh, I'm certified in customer-centered selling. As a matter of fact, I was a reseller of it, um, done the solution selling kind of stuff. And the way to demonstrate it, now, it, you might have high transaction sales, right? Low, high transaction, low price point. So there, there's a different approach to those. But a way to demonstrate that you actually think that way is simply follow a consultative selling approach, where you diagnose and prescribe. Diagnose uncovers not only the unmet needs, but what the financial implications are. Prescribe does the same thing. So, hey, we're not just telling you, like, these are the features. We're going, our features address those unmet needs. And as a result of that, the analytics will look like this versus that. Okay, Now, if we're doing that, then a customer realizes that, hey, we get business. Like, we understand margin. We understand that, you know, it's a dollar impact. And the customers see that very quickly versus kind of the the person that goes in and says, discount flows, right? Kind of look at that approach. Um, and so that's how, you know, frankly, simply put, that's how I would suggest people identify that way. And there are so many that don't.
0: So are you saying, uh, just to kind of what I'm hearing here is, if you're... If you're selling transactional discount close in a discount close environment, that's where you're winning deals. Uh, those customers are not great customers, which is kind of a basic thing. Versus uh, actually going through a more of a consultative approach and and getting people to understand that the impact of what your solution, service, whatever might be driving, you know, has a an ROI or a margin baked into their business offering, you're going to have better customers. Is, am I under, am I hearing that the right way?
1: Or... Um, I wouldn't call them, I wouldn't call them good or bad customers. Um, yeah. you know, to, um, to Jerry's point, the whole sassy marketplace, right. You Nasty know, sass marketplace. Um, you know, different customers, they're out there and different products. You know, years ago I was, a a, uh, a VP of inside sales actually for a company whose average product price was two grand. Okay. That was high transaction. You weren't negotiating margin. You weren't negotiating licenses. Right. Mm -hmm. And they knew it. We knew it. Um, and so in that case there was discount, right? So you go, well, you give me this, I'll give you that. Those customers, if my business model, Does that, then those are my customers. But the higher price point you get, or the kind of the longer price point, the subscription, for example, that's when you start looking at more margin. Like Mm -hmm. the previous one I just described, that's volume. You make your money that way with low margin. Right. The one I just described, like that, is more hey, our deals are bigger. Our deals are 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand. And so we need to negotiate we need to show value, right? We need to show them that if they cut the check, they're going to get from it. So I don't think there's good or bad. I just think it's kind of the product that you sell.
0: So at the end of the day, it's not the, the customer is a part of this, but the, the reality is, is you got You've just got to know your numbers, right? You, you have right. to understand, you know, where that line is drawn in the sand to ensure that you're not losing money on deals, uh, we're in business. It's not a nonprofit. We're, uh, we're not charity, right? Exactly, right? We've got to make money to keep the lights on. And, uh, uh, that conversation I think is missed, especially right now in the pandemic. Are you going back to the, the, the customer again, yeah. buyers today have shifted. Uh, what are, what are you seeing there? Right. Cause I've, I've heard it on my side, like, Hey, it's the pandemic. Can you help me? Can you sharpen your pencil? I mean, I I would make the argument the other way around. Like, well, hey, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it is a pandemic. We've got to make sure that we're, uh, you know, we're more we're actually even more sensitive to these things on on both sides of the table, right? Um, if the values there, this shouldn't be an issue. Price, price is that it shouldn't be an issue, right? We're not talking about price. We've diagnosed and prescribed the solution that solves the problem at a fair market rate, right? Uh, how do you look at that? Um, do you have any ideas or have you, have you thought about that, that, that question? Um, is it coming up with your customers?
1: So think about this as much as our, you know, the, the sales teams that we're focused on are ex- experiencing significant disruptions. So are the customers, right? Mm-hmm. And for example, what's happening to them, and I'll just use something very simple they had a procurement process where the process was very straightforward. Everybody was in an office, they'd walk down the hall, they'd sort it out, they you know, hey, we gotta cut this contract, sign it please, okay? Move the clock forward, your CFO's working in one place, your is working in another, your VP, you know, you start going down the line, and our customers have to go through an entirely different process, everywhere. Yes right? So if you look at what you're selling, there are so many value pockets, right? There are so many rub spots in that entire process for them. And somebody sells a product somewhere in there. So at that point, whoever sells a product in there, in their process that's broken, which you have to find out, that's where you come up with the value. Hey, you know what? You're trying to communicate. You need a better process by which you can communicate online right? You need a better process by which you can pass analytics and contracts, right? Well, we sell that. And then you kind of go to value. I mean, that there's huge, they're going through so much pain and struggle. They might be at the end of the year and not even know what they're supposed to do, right? When they get pushed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world. So, so, you know, you going to the 2021 piece. What are some of the things that uh, those who are listening to your message, right? If I if I'm starting with you today, um, uh, what are the biggest hurdles or roadblocks that they're saying to you? You know, their concerns, not
1: not what you would prescribe, but what are they saying they're struggling with today? So, number one is is what does my organization look like in the future, right? So. I had to deal with the hand I was dealt for 2020, right? It's just, I can't suddenly transform and change my organization. But what I'm hearing is that, okay, now I'm going into 2021. What am I supposed to look like? Like, What's the makeup of my sales and go-to-market strategy? what am I, that's one, okay? Um, Number two is, is that, uh, do I have the right people for that, right? If I'm doing this, Okay, the other one, okay, is what's my customer acquisition process look like? You know, hey, we found out it was a little tough last year. What does it look like this year? I have to know that so that I can align my acquisition process to theirs, which is a huge one, right? Those are really, really big. You know, your sales training, there's going to be that no matter what. Your tools and technology, there's going to be that no matter what. I mean, what these guys want to know is what is my organization supposed to look like in 2021? And then I can build everything from there, right? That's a big struggle for everybody.
2: Yeah, I think that's quite interesting. So it's almost like demand planning for your people as much as your demand planning for your capability, right? So How do they intersect with the strategy? Are they even capable? I reread the hard things about doing hard things the other day, Um, brilliant book. And, you know, I think one of my key lessons was that your legacy sales force for where you are today as a business right now, probably not going to be the business and the people you need in your pivot. You know, and that lesson about sort of taking the business from hardware to software and finding the right sales leadership and the right people to drive software and intangible value versus physical product value was an absolute game changer to how they were able to go on to exit the company. And I don't think a lot of people feel that way. I think they just think your sales people, your sales people, and they can deliver, regardless of the legacy or heritage that they have inside of that company. And those disciplines of demand planning and capability planning that come out of operations, they cut across into selling so elegantly. But I just don't think we utilise them or research them well enough to figure out their value. Would you agree?
1: Yes, as a matter of fact, this is real interesting. One of the clients I just, somebody I just worked with was uh, a company that provided uh, business intelligence. So they were a, an analytical tool that sat within the CRM system, which in this case, Salesforce. And so since it was such an analytic tool, they ran an analytic business. And as a result of that, RevOps was always involved. They appreciated the fact that data and RevOps could help analyze it. Uh, not only company looks like it, but this company, um, and it, it, they're, they're just so, so good. The company's Inside Squared and they really have a data driven philosophy with some really smart people there. Um, you know, kind of a, a model, right? They practice what they preach.
2: That's cool. Yeah. I, I like those guys. And I'm a big fan of their first time CRO, uh, Zorian Rotenberg. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy whose content I follow slavishly. Interesting, didn't start as a sales guy. He was an analyst and an investment banker prior to jumping into software. So I think his level of understanding in terms of Excel, numbers, spreadsheet, capacity planning, and he's doing a big SDR piece at the moment. And I looked at the model with him and I was just blown away at the level of detail right down to the minute, which is amazing.
1: Absolutely, and the CEO... Uh, extremely analytical, right? Uh, You know, Fred just, uh, of course, he's, I think it was either MIT or Harvard, brilliant guy um, for his MBA. And he saw, hey, look, people aren't getting this information. So he built spreadsheets, spreadsheets with just pages and lines and macros, because he said, you can't run a business without data and you're not getting it. So um, yeah, I wish they're a great company, a good model. That's this is so important. I tell you that Salesforce is willing to spend a couple billion dollars on a company called Tableau, which is an analytical tool. Yeah. So if Salesforce sees that that significantly, you can bet everybody should be.
2: Deck of corns eating unicorns, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the,
0: the world of the roll-up these days yeah. so uh i think that that's a great transition to to land the plane here and uh, uh you know the insights you brought today are are really really great timely and uh, really appreciate your time today uh tom if folks want to reach out to you learn about their growth zone uh get in touch with you what's the best way for folks to get get a hold of you
1: well, so the, you know, the company URL is, you know, www.salesgrowthzone.com, right? Pretty straightforward. Um, we have a contact form on the site, but um, feel free to reach out to me directly. My cell is nine seven eight three six zero six six seven zero. My LinkedIn is my last name, Tom Morrill. Um, and my email is tmoral at the sales growth zone, right? So it's a unique name. That's how you can get a hold of me. I uh, will respond in no more than twenty hour, 24 hours,
2: twenty oh, four hours. Nice, you put an SLA day in there. So people test Absolutely.
1: Me. You know what? <laughs> I have to do it. I love it. Does.
0: No, yeah. all channels are open. You choose it. I'll respond in twenty four hours. That's uh, that's the way to do it. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, have a wonderful rest of the week, and good luck as you uh, as you enter into twenty twenty
1: one. Sounds like you're doing some fun stuff. You guys as well. Thank you for having me. And for both of you, stay healthy. You as well. Cheers. Bye now.